All right, hello and welcome to episode two of Blokecast, the official podcast of three blokes telling jokes. My name is Andrew Barnett. I am sitting here with my compadres, Matty B. Hello, Matty. Hey, mate. How are you? Very well, buddy. And of course, we're joined by Scott Detrick. How are you, Scotty? Oh, good day. Mate, let's get into it. Sure, let's go. Felt like Dave East gave for a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, uh, our first podcast we recorded and put up, uh, we recorded that whilst uh, we were in Adelaide for the Adelaide Fringe Festival. Um, I think now we've had some time and distance from when we recorded that. We're back in Sydney. We've all been back uh, in our home turf for quite a while now. How's everyone faring? Matty, what have you been up to since uh, we last uh, touched base? Jeez, man, since Adelaide, there's been a lot going on. Um, gigging at the usual kind of rate. Um, I've moved back down to Sydney now as well. And I uh, did a short film last weekend, which was really good fun. Oh, wow. Can I just say, on behalf of Sydney, nice to have you back. Pleasure to be here, my friend. I'm only on the very outskirts of Sydney. You can't claim me, but I'm closer than I was. Do you want to give out your exact address so listeners can visit you? Or? <laughs> Number 22, Shut Up Barno. <laughs> Shut Up Barno, wow. Shut Up Barno, close. Fucking um, popular street. Sydney's not that great. It, it's, oh. it's the street in the suburb called Arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's, the street, could, it's the street to live in, apparently. Which could be almost any Sydney suburb. Yeah, pretty much. It's <laughs> very salubrious. Is it? Very Excellent. Nice. So tell us about the short film, buddy. Uh, the short film that I did was with some blokes uh, that I know through stand-up. They did film school last year. And since then, I've just been knocking out films, doing some good stuff. So I played the role of a severely drug-affected Mildly retarded. Wow, imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) Demonstrating some serious range. Yeah, yeah. It it was a good one. It was like uh, Matty B meets wannabe gangster. It was a really cool, cool kind of role to play. A bit of two hands kind of action. Yeah, man. I was wearing a white. Uh, sing oh, Should you be saying spoilers before all this, by the way? Nah, it's fine. I don't, want, I don't want the plot ruined when I see you on screen and go, oh, I knew oh, he was going to be wearing that. <laughs> no, I, I don't think the white singlet and the uh, flannelette is really going to give away too much. Okay. okay. So, so you, you wore your own clothes then? <laughs> <laughs> he said um, white, mate. He doesn't no, dress oh, that's yeah. right. Nothing no. of his is white. He does his own washing. It used no to be white. white. Anymore. No white anymore. And aside from which, I buy blue. Because, let's face it, there's nothing worse than a jizz stain on a white singlet. <laughs> oh, maybe oh, one okay. on a... <laughs> if you say so. Maybe one on a blue singlet. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I would have thought a blue singlet didn't fare quite as well. But That's yeah. the weirdest tie-dye shirt I've ever seen, Matty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tie-dye. Tie-dye. Just yeah. tie-dyed around the stomach area. It's quite weird. <laughs> <laughs> tie-dye doesn't usually have that stiff feeling. <laughs> Well, this is this is uh, set a new record for yeah, geez, that how low we could go. It went low quick. <laughs> what, didn't what are we? <laughs> Five minutes in. It's Excellent. a good start. So, how do you like how do you like being a film film star? Well, um, I couldn't tell you <laughs> to, to be honest. I like making films. That was that was really good fun. It was uh, it was definitely interesting. I mean, after we did because we did a bit of. Well, we did a morning of making film for the three blokes one. Yeah, was that the yeah. first thing you were ever in? That's the first time that I've done. Like dudes knowing what they're doing, film. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, that, that's your first foray outside of amateur porn. Yeah, that's, that's the first time the camera wasn't hidden in a motorcycle helmet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. by a stakeout out the front of your house. Yeah, and like, I couldn't yeah. wear my white singlet. Yeah. <laughs> it was different, you know. They're not. They weren't preparing the footage for court, so uh, it's completely yeah. different. <laughs> Yeah. They'll actually put a nice grade on it. You know, it's yeah. not all in black and white. It's not at night time. It's not that green look. Yeah, it it is definitely different. Uh, sort of getting an appreciation for the the amount of work that goes into making, say, thirty seconds of film. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of weird. Like I've I've got a background in making short films and doing all that sort of stuff, and it's weird. I see people that haven't done much of it on a set now, and they're just. They're just like doing continuity or something and they're sweating bullets and I remember what that was like Mm. and it is like there is a massive amount going on but as film crews get bigger and everything, 
there's always someone on the set. There's one person to do everything. If a bottle needs to be picked up and moved to the left, well, there's a bottle pick up and move to the left guy pretty much on big film sets, you know, like... Yeah, they probably so. studied at NIDA too. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that guy's that guy's unionized. <laughs> Good money, making more money than any of us probably. Yeah, he. Um, but that's um the one thing I found when we did the our our shoot is one thing that became apparent to me is how important lighting is. Oh yeah, like you yeah. never notice. Yeah, there was it's always that thing where you noticed, oh, this is a low budget film, but I could never put my finger on what it was about it that I knew it was a low budget film. Yeah, and that's when you watch it and you go, oh, the lighting shit. Yeah, <laughs> you will never mo- you'll never notice. A, a, a trained eye will notice very good lighting, but the trick is to not notice lighting at all. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, know. it was interesting on the short film because we were fundamentally shooting sort of between you know, maybe three seconds or 20 seconds of dialogue at a time. But yeah. each one of those... Three seconds of dialogue for you at your pace, mate, that's not saying a lot. Uh, a couple mon- of them. That's, that's, a, that's a monologue. That's it? a short no. <laughs> <laughs> for Maddie. That's just, uh, yeah. Cut. Well done, Maddie. Well done. But they, they, the amount of work that they put in to set up each scene, yeah. they just be... You know, a one. I was on the set for three days. One afternoon, I was there for two hours, and I said two lines of dialogue. But at no point was anyone standing still. Like they were yeah. constantly running around, working, changing bits and pieces, moving stuff around, and moving stuff around, the set and all that sort of changing stuff. Changing yeah. the um, camera and stuff around, yeah. getting the sound levels and everything right. Like it's actually a very in-depth process that I had just had no appreciation for. Like I yeah. honestly thought it was. You show up, you say your funny things while someone points the camera at you, cut, go home. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think too in this day and age, there's this real myth that even um, established industry guys put out, they go, oh no, it's so easy to get into now because you know, you've got the internet and you've got your iPhone, man, you can just shoot a whole film on an iPhone and put it up on the internet and you know, that's how you get your work out there. And like that's totally misleading. Yeah, oh, look, I think a good idea or a good performance will get out there that way. Like there's plenty of YouTube videos that, you probably watched more than once or you pressed play straight away after you'd watched it because it was so funny but it was shot on a shitty camera. But, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, there is all this great stuff available to people but if you can't operate it, like, there's no point in having it really. Yeah, well, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly right. All right, so film star Maddie, you uh, you still happy to hang out that slum it down in the, the stand-up comedy world with us boys? Look, it's, um, it's not as good but I'll do it. Oh. It's, it. it's kind of like the first time you do comedy you go oh stand up comedian comedy star now we can say to him, oh film star film star that's, the, that's what you say like when, when the first time you do something isn't it and I've got to say you, got, you boys reaction has been exactly the same as everyone else in my circle of friends when I've said oh I did a short film they've all gone oh yeah red tube huh, good on you good on I ya. did not say that we didn't name it we didn't brand it no. <laughs> fair enough I then. thought it was you point for sure <laughs> I I didn't even I didn't even name the site because I didn't know you know I didn't want to insult you like by saying you know naming say a heterosexual site and finding out it wasn't that at all. (laughs) (laughs) See, I would I would I would have have thought something quality that Maddie would be in would kind of get syndicated across all the sites. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, get picked up by all of them. All right. Well, that's what you've been up to, Maddie. Scotty, what have you been up to since you've been back in Sydney, buddy? Oh, look. Well, you know, I've, I've had plenty of gigs. It feels like coming back from Adelaide. Um, there's been a, a, a lot on, and I think um, part of that is the mass exodus that happens around this time of people going to Melbourne. Yeah, that uh, that does create a little bit of a uh, a few more opportunities for those who who hang around in Sydney, and I assume in other cities as well. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know that, uh, as as we're recording this, I think we're going into the last weekend of uh, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, um, which is massive, and uh, it drags a lot of talent from all over the country to Melbourne, and uh, concentrates it there for about a month. And so, uh, consequently, if you stay in your home city, uh, there's a, there's a few more opportunities to get up and uh, and do your do your thing. There's definitely a little bit of a vacuum that gets created in the rest of the country by Melbourne taking well i mean i think it's 500 shows in melbourne this year wow. so really that, that's a lot yeah, of something and they're all comedy that. shows right it's not like a fringe festival where some of them might be burlesque or something different. no it's ostensibly wow. comedy shows yeah wow. yeah comedy in, in one form or the other so yeah. i mean not all of those people will be necessarily going from club gigs yeah but even so it's there is noticeably a little bit of space left 
in in Sydney, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah well, there's still the the, the regular rooms that uh, that go on while uh, while the festival's going, and uh, with less people to fill those gigs, there's obviously more opportunities. And Melbourne, Melbourne's massive. Like like I said, um, not everything's stand up there. Like there's quite a bit of improv and that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, have you done so Melbourne before? I've, no, I've never done Melbourne. I um, it's it's one of those sort of. Uh, Things that seems very daunting at this stage. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Like, Quite I guess the we financial just, we just, yeah. and time commitment. I mean, yeah. I mean, especially uh, with other commitments, you know, Adelaide took a lot out of all of us, really. Yeah, <laughs> and nice. to back up and then do Melbourne felt like, I, I just don't know how those guys were doing it, you know. And also, too, I mean, we were in Adelaide for 12 days doing yeah. nine shows. Melbourne is two and a half times that. I've actually noticed, yeah, I've actually noticed this year there seems to be more guys doing like half runs, two-week runs down in Melbourne than uh, than there has been previously. It seemed to be uh, a few years ago, like most people, the, the general attitude was if you're going to do Melbourne, you've got to do the whole run. Um, whereas now it seems uh, it seems that there's, a, there's quite a few more people who are quite happy to do shorter runs. And, yeah, uh, just do a couple of weeks. Makes sense. Like I think if, if I ever went and did it, I'd be more inclined, well, apart from the fact that I have to take holidays to do it. Like, I'd be more inclined to, yeah, probably do nine shows like we did in, in Adelaide. It feels more manageable. Right? Well, and especially for out-of-town people, it's quite a, um, it's quite the financial commitment. Yeah. To, yeah. like, it, you, you really do have to uh, have to go down there for the first time. If, if you haven't got a name or name recognition, especially down in Melbourne, you know, you're, you are one of literally 500 choices they have. And... Uh, and so that, that that makes it difficult. You got to you got to find your way to rise above that and make some, uh, and you know, sort of win, get some of your money back. So I, I I really um I admire the people that go down and give it a go. But uh, at this stage, I'm just like I look at it and I just think, wow, I don't know how uh, how I'd go about it. I wouldn't even know where to start half the time. I think. Yeah, I mean, I went down last year and just did a like dipped my toe in the water of Melbourne. I did. You were doing supports and stuff, right? I did a few support spots for a few shows. I did the showcases and stuff around town. And it was definitely a big eye-opener to where the bar is set. There is more good comedy out there than you realise in this sort of insulated community that is Sydney comedy. And then you go to somewhere where it's all... The cream is all pulled together and suddenly you realise, oh, I'm not the hotshot that I thought I was. Yeah, no, we uh, we actually commented on that. As, as we, uh, we were saying about this time last year, geez, Maddie's not the hot shot he thinks he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> knock, oh him, knock him da- back down into place. <laughs> That's it. So um, as we as we speak, gentlemen, we're uh, we're recording this uh, on a uh, what is it? Say a cool autumn evening. Yeah, I guess so. Here in the Harbour City, it's definitely where summer's over. With yeah. the last few days, we've got the first few really chill nights. Sort of coming through. Really, guys, we're talking about the fucking weather. We no, well, I'm just trying to set a scene for our, <laughs> trying to set the scene for the listener. Well, this Does, isn't this isn't poetry, mate. Um, doesn't like cricket. Doesn't like weather. No, yeah. I love weather. I just don't <laughs> I love weather. I just don't think that. There we go. Here we go. Explain it. I, I love weather. All weather. No, no. Oh, mate, hot days, cold days, I love them all. <laughs> just get me outside. And here I was saying when you guys turned up this evening that I was missing you guys. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking wrong I was. Oh. No, um, big, big events today. I don't know if we want to frame this in time, but big events today. We are recording this on the very day. Um, and I know you, both you boys follow the uh, the politics, particularly state politics. Uh, I know mm. you, you share my view that that is the peak of politics in this country <laughs> um barry o'farrell undone today by a wine a bottle of wine grangegate grangegate was it was it three or thirty thousand dollars worth three thousand three thousand right? but i, I, I tell it you was what a three thousand dollar bottle yeah i tell you what that that bottle is well pretty close on a museum piece now really if it still exists like how much is it worth well, i the, saw the, the, a, um, the bottle of wine that costs someone their career like I saw a thing today. Apparently, um, Dan Murphy's uh, were selling uh, that year now for around four thousand eight hundred. What they cranked the price up today? Yes, that yeah. was. Oh, well, that's the advertised price today. And um, so, yeah, um, <laughs> that's nice. Dan Murphy's put on a special. Yeah, let's yeah. crank it up by eighteen hundred dollars. I think. I oh, know Barry O'Farrell's very pro business. I'm sure he'd, he'd <laughs> appreciate their. Uh, Oh, but he was pro- clearly pro-business for the people who he did business with. I don't know. Does yeah. he own shares in, what? No, in what that baffles particular me? company? No, I don't think so. What baffles me is um, is not getting a $3,000 bottle of wine, but forgetting that you got a $3,000 well, bottle of wine. Well, what's better than forgetting is the fact that they produced a note 
from him personally and his wife saying thank you for the bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> I so did, that's kind of what brought him unstuck apparently. I do feel well, That's what of, I heard. I do feel kind of sorry for him because it, it did happen right at the start when I'm guaranteeing that that, that wasn't the only gift he got at that time. Like he'd oh. just become Premier. Everyone wants to go, hey, congratulations. You know, we're on your side. And... Um, and I, I, he genuinely seems to me like part of the, the there's an undertone when he's uh, talking to the press saying, "Oh, look, I honestly don't remember this bottle of wine." Um, part of him, I don't think, is just the fact that he doesn't remember getting the bottle of wine. He doesn't remember having the bottle. Like it, what happened to the bottle of wine is he's genuinely disappointed he didn't drink the bottle of wine. Yeah, well, yeah. look, if you're going to lose a job over a bottle of wine, that's probably a bottle you want to remember corking, hey? Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. I reckon it would be way better if they'd, they'd just sort of... Because, you know, obviously someone has gone after him and that's how this has been found out. Wouldn't it have been way better if, you know, he got sacked over a, a free pair of Ugg boots or something like that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, full on. It's just like Ugg gate. Yeah, or like a fondue set. <laughs> Yeah, something full creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, What's no. creepy about fondue? He's, I'm just picturing it in the very 70s sense oh, of, uh, yeah. you know, in front of an open fireplace on a shag yes. uh, shag carpet. Yeah. That'd be, see, now that'd be something I'd listen to. Oh, yeah, no, he got a, uh, a shag carpet worth <laughs> four grand given to him and a bowl for keys. So can I just, uh, <laughs> can I just clarify? Um, so he's been done because... Someone gave him a bottle of wine and he's not allowed to accept They're that gift. They're allowed to accept gifts. Okay, so what right. it is... Um, now, I'll put a disclaimer on this is that this is, as I understand it, it may not be 100% correct. So, uh, independent, isn't. independent Cor- Commission Against Corruption uh, are running a, um, a wide-ranging inquiry into uh, mostly the, um, the former Labor government and uh, Eddie O'Bead and those sort of guys. And so this, uh, this one um, bloke, the bloke who gave him the bottle of wine was... Um, was Basically, as I understand it, before ICAC and you know being questioned about his gratuities, he's given various politicians, and uh, they were making allegations. And I think to basically get himself out of trouble and say, "Look, no, 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 I didn't do this to curry favour with any particular politician. I give gifts to lots of politicians. So it's just standard." Well, I, for example, I gave a three thousand dollar bottle of Grange to Barry O'Farrell, and they went, oh. and they went, okay, well, Barry O'Farrell can come in. Barry O'Farrell is a guy who has built his political uh, career on I am honest Barry, like he's just Teflon. Um, so he's come in, he's checked his records and stuff and said, no, I never received this, gone in quite confident, I never received it. Um, very, uh, very, very adamant yesterday as he came out, no, I didn't receive it. And then this morning um, they ring his place and say, listen, we need you to come back before ICAC because uh, old mate has the thank you note you sent him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. And I dare say Barry went, ah, Fuck it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, be, he wouldn't have personally written that. He must have some... No, apparently of, his handwriting. Right, um, okay. And it's on his letterhead, which, I mean, it, this sort of thing I don't think is that unusual, but as my understanding is, is there's um, gifts over a certain value have to be um, read, like you have declared. to declare them yeah. to the parliament, uh, which is... 3000 is a decent sort yeah, of gift, isn't it? Yeah. Over, yeah. I think that, it's that's anything graphed. over $500. <laughs> yeah. um, but I honestly don't so think... So, hang on. If I gave him a $499 JB Hi-Fi voucher... Doesn't have to declare it. Fine. Yep. Right. But now, that that is a number. I'm so, I'm not 100% sure of that, but right. I, that's, that is, for some reason, <laughs> that's the number. JB Hi-Fi is full of politicians, like just full of these dudes in <laughs> yeah. suits walking around looking Sweet. for, for yeah. headphones and, you know, I don't know, to the Manor Born box sets. If best. I get another one of these... <laughs> the best of Elton John for $4. <laughs> if I get Hello. another one of these, I can buy an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, so they um yeah, so I I feel like it is there's there's obviously been a stuff up somewhere along the way. Um and uh I just I can't believe he quit. Like he was supposed to be hosting the uh the prince and princess who were, who arrived today, Holy the future king and queen and, and had to uh take a back seat, so uh he wasn't there so to who's to hosting do them now. Uh, Murray Bashir our uh, our right. governor okay. and uh ably uh ably assisted by obviously Tony Abbott uh, the prime minister was there as well. So but so the yeah Murray Bashir will be hosting them the whole time on her own. Um yeah. I think would have already been briefed on the fact that it was going to be Barry and everything right? Like they Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so they just go, "Oh yeah, here we are back at the colonies." So you'll have to... <laughs> they just would have been to, like, would have loved some of that wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, excuse my ignorance, but which members of the royal family are in Australia at the moment? Oh, wow. 
Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, our news guys just arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, that would be William and Kate and uh, the young Prince George. Oh, really? Yeah. And then they've rocked up and we've had to be like, hey, so sorry. Yeah. The, uh, they totally wouldn't give a shit. Like, no. <laughs> they would just be like pushed from pillar to post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, on. and they, wave, they would... Wave. I, I doubt they were like, oh, you know what? I'm really looking forward to this trip, of Australia, trip to Australia. Barry O'Farrell seems like a right cracker of a guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. He'll be great. Can't wait to sit down and have a beer with him. Yeah, flip a snare oh, and as, Barry. as if they don't know about the sort of seamy underbelly of politics. Like, I'm sure that they have been involved in more than one cover-up of, you know, bottles of wine or... His, I don't think His brother mostly, carry. but yeah. I don't think they yeah. even have to cover up bottles of wine. They, yeah, it's more um, genealogy. I think the royal family cover up. But uh, <laughs> this is this isn't legally bonding. <laughs> and all of a sudden, got all all Game of Thrones in here. Well, I mean, the thing that you you can say is that the royals aren't going to sue you. They're just going to murder you. So <laughs> yeah. if if you're not here Listen, for the I next bloke cast, we'll know what's happened. I don't travel to France, and I very rarely go in tunnels, so I feel like I'm going to be fine. <laughs> oh. Uh, not, once again, not that's legally binding. <laughs> Just hide behind satire law. Ah, so what else has been going on? Um, Scotty, now you brought something uh, to my attention. Um, you're the guy who basically crafted the image of three blokes uh, telling jokes on the uh, on the uh, our flyers and posters. You graphic designer, I believe. By uh, oh, is it I by was trade I, I was in a previous life, but yeah, you keep those skills. Yeah, so you 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 understand what an image is worth to uh, to people, and um, you may understand what an image is worth to business, which is why I found it funny the uh, the picture you brought my, to my attention, the tweet from American Airlines. Yeah, well. I don't think uh, any brand on the planet can ever top the fuck up of that tweet. Have you, you guys seen this? Have you seen it, Matty? No. So I'm American not. Airlines basically. Wh- what? Matt hasn't seen something yeah. that's been happening. <laughs> sorry. I, I should. We've wasted valuable time asking Matt that question. I'm very <laughs> sorry. No. Basically, what happened was American Airlines have you know have a Twitter feed, and it's basically people tweeting at them, complaining about shit, going, "Oh no, I'm fucking." You know, I, w- I was delayed and all this sort of stuff. And, th- and they tweet back and they say, so sorry to hear that, Matty. Uh, here's a link to our complaints department. Feel free to lodge a complaint so we can improve our service right, to you. So it's some sort of PR style exercise. Kind sort of, of but it's just a Twitter feed where people can whinge. Or they do, they just tweet at them anyway. A brand, <laughs> yeah, a brand right. goes on Twitter, they don't get a choice, right? Yeah. So anyway, someone tweets at them oh, I'm having a bad time and they go we're so sorry you know blah 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 uh, he, he followed the link to our complaints department but what's happened is someone's accidentally pasted the short link of a woman on her back spread eagle with a model's 777 Boeing 777 inserted into herself American uh, Airlines uh, American branded. Airlines <laughs> branded 777 <laughs> inserted into herself now look I I'm assuming what has happened it is... It wasn't in a mouth. Because <laughs> that, image, that image was actually tweeted at American Airlines. So what I'm assuming has happened is whoever their Twitter guy is has seen it, copied the link, obviously, to register it with some kind of security thing or whatever. Yeah. And, and just kept it on... Kept, or whatever, thing. to send it to his mates, whatever he's done. Yeah. Kept, it, kept it on the pasteboard on his computer and just gone, oh, yeah, no, I've, I've copied the thing for customer service I'll just paste it at the end of this tweet but you know how Twitter works now in the Twitter feed the images just come up now yep. like that yep. <laughs> and yep. so for an hour if you scrolled through and you followed American Airlines you just scrolled through and it said we're really sorry to hear about your problem Alex you know blah, 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 go and check this out so <laughs> cue picture of woman with yeah it's, it's as literally vagina. as American Airlines could say, go fuck yourself. Basically. That's exactly... (laughs) I was talking to someone today and they said exactly that. It's exactly like them saying, go fuck yourself. Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone's ever going to top that as the best fuck up tweet ever. No, that it's... And it's like... um, I don't know if you guys saw a few weeks ago, there was... uh, there was a news station, um, I think in San Francisco, or maybe it was in, uh, yeah, I think it might have been San Francisco, oh, no, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And they were following a, a story, a disaster that had happened in, um, in Washington State in the US. And they were urging people nearby to tweet their pictures in and they had the Twitter feed up. And um, as they're just on live on television, the Twitter feed's coming down one side, um, goes from, <laughs> I forget what the first one was, something unrelated. 
Um, might have been a, a toy or something. And uh, the next one was just a guy side on with a what you could only call a semi-angry uh, uh, phallus. <laughs> Live to air. Awesome. And there's nothing better than um, watching morning television hosts who are um, <laughs> subdued at the best of times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. So is this on like a green screen type deal behind them so they can only see it on the monitors or it's on a TV screen? No, it was on the TV. What it was was the, the graphic was going live yeah, on one yeah. side of the screen, but it was what it was. was um, they the Twitter feed was on. Monitors. The Twitter yeah. feed was on one of the an iPad one of them was using and he was yeah, just right. scrolling through it and that was controlling the graphic. And so <laughs> he sort of double takes as he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> How'd that get in there? <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Uh, so yeah, Twitter. Um, I think you've got to be careful. I think if you're yeah. a uh, big company using it, oh, that's got it. Like we're talking about Grangegate, the uh, the American Airlines thing uh, is being is now known as Planegina. Planegina, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. The Planegina event has that got a hashtag? Probably. That'd be uh, yeah. That's uh, this is the, this is the thing I, I like now that political um, the political scandals all get the suffix gate. Yeah, um, I'd like now for all customer service uh, <laughs> customer service disasters to have the suffix Gina. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to, uh, Refund Gina. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be quite uh. good. All right. So um, not only that, um, not only that, Scotty, you actually bring quite a bit of stuff to my attention. Um, hmm. You you have, you seem to have time on the web. You I'm trying. I'm trying to finish the internet, basically. Yeah, trying try to finish <laughs> the internet. You um, you uh, showed me a link uh, recently. I don't know if you saw this too, Maddie. I think you did actually. Um, the video that uh, of um, the kids, of kids, yes, um, a, a group of kids basically being shown a uh, a Walkman. Yes, a cassette Walkman. Sort of between the ages of about. Seven and thirteen, I think. Yeah, I did see this one. This was mm. great. I thought it was really cool. What did you like about it? I, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I'm not sure that I liked what the kids were saying, but I thought the idea of just giving someone who has absolutely no concept of you know technology, technological advancement, and just going, "What would you do with this?" and just watching their little brains explode was really cool. It was like it was like if you when I was eight, you gave me a, a butter churn and said, "Make butter out of this." I mean, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, that's exactly really? it. It's the same yeah, like I don't know. I when I looked at it, I kind of thought it was a bit weird because like by the time I was eight, like I I knew what a reel to reel tape player was I knew what a gramophone was like I knew you were you were a very hipster primary school kid though (laughs) and my point is I knew I knew previous technologies outside of my own time so I don't know is there is there is there a a problem with the education system that that these kids didn't know about I think Scotty you are clearly a young person or were a young person (laughs) we all were mate at one point but. but I think you liked knowing how stuff worked yeah, that's true. Whereas for a person, a young a youngster now who's ten, if you're not the kind of person to ask why does the music come out of the headphones, you would have no reason to know why a cassette player ever existed. I, guess I just so. thought it was fascinating watching these kids, like because we've seen this in our lifetimes. Like I had a Walkman. I used to listen to my Walkman on the bus on the way to school. Yeah, and I've actually a cassette Walkman or a discman. Cassette Walkman. Yeah, okay. I've seen well, the progression. To rich kid over here. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I've never seen no he's he's younger than me, so yeah. I'm just curious. No, but I, I've actually seen the progression from Walkman to Discman, and then we had those little weird mini disc things. Oh, they were the trend oh, for a little players. while. Mini disc yeah. players. Yeah. And then you sort of the chunky MP3 players, and now yeah. they dis- and now it's on your phone. Yeah. And we've we've all seen that in our lifetime. Whereas if you'd never seen a cassette player before. Yeah. That's, and that's what I think too, Scott, because like, I know on, on Facebook you pointed out that you knew what a gramophone was. Yeah. But um, the, what we've got to realise is I think that w- this is the equivalent of us seeing something like a wax cylinder. Yeah. In the, in the, the, where the, that many iterations. It doesn't explain itself on its surface value. Is that yeah, yeah, where yeah, that yeah. many iterations pass. Like, because oh, look, it, you yeah, I, I, understand, I, I understand that. You knew what a gramophone was because you'd seen a record player as well. I guess you so. Know, yeah. There were still record players around when we were kids. You know, you get mm. either vinyl and cassette, and then, then we moved on. Gramophone's probably a poor example, but something like, say, and a Morse code paddle, right? That's this weird little thing that was made for 
Yeah, you know, I don't know. I've, yeah, they're plenty of good at World War Two. But, I, but movies, I, yeah, so. but I learned I learned that in in Is that what when you do the tappy tappy to make yeah. Morse code? That's that a Morse when code. You do the tappy the tappy. tappy. I think we found the uh, the delineation of generations. <laughs> in that stuff. Is that? What <laughs> I know tappy exactly tappy. what you're talking about because I have seen it in the films. They go tappy tappy and they yeah. make Morse code on it. Tappy but that's tappy. called a paddle. Is it? It's a Morse code paddle, yeah, it's I believe a paddle. so. I think yeah. what you're talking about is uh, a Shirley Temple film and uh, what you said, tappy, tappy, tappy. Yeah. Tappy, tappy, tappy. We're not that's, talking uh, about that's called tap dancing, mate. Oh, right, mm. right. It was uh, very fashionable uh, in, the, uh, in the roaring 20s. Right. Well, yes. I, think, I think the thing I was reacting to was this will make you feel old. And it's like, yeah, yeah. it did make me feel old, but it also made me, you know, cry for the future of the earth. Have you considered that maybe you are old? Yeah, yeah I know I'm kind of old. I'm not that old. The other thing is, is um, th- like realistically, <laughs> they've got like I don't. It's not the worst thing that they don't know. No, true. Is, you know what I mean. Well, this is something that I wanted to ask you, Barno. Yeah, it'd, it'd be worse if if that was, you know, can these kids swim? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not skills that are ever going to be used. Like it's not like it's like you or I, like like someone um from days of yore. Mm. Um, you know, bitching because you and I don't know how to make a thatched roof. Like we're you probably don't? never going to have to thatch the <laughs> roof. I bet you Maddie knows how to make a thatched roof. I've knocked up a few improvised houses in yeah. my time. I don't know that I've ever thatched a he's roof. Not a, he's, <laughs> no strange, he's no stranger to a shanty. <laughs> <laughs> he's an environmentalist. He wouldn't cut that much grass. Yeah, all yeah, right. <laughs> what I wanted to ask you though, Barno, was what do you reckon would happen if you gave your boys a cassette player? Would their response be, I have no idea what this is? Or do you reckon they have absorbed what a cassette player is in their lifetime? Uh, no, they probably wouldn't know. My, my, just for context, my boys are three and five, and um, I d- I, it'll be interesting. I should, I should dig up an old cassette player and, and show them. But um, actually, there may even be an old Walkman at my parents' place. This could be a good experiment. But uh, I will. There, there's an old film camera, um, just an automatic film camera that we had. Um, you know, obviously, you know, 15 years ago, um, that uh, that kicks around our house in a toy, like in their toys. And they'll, they'll know that it's a camera, but um, especially the three-year-old, he'll, he'll feign to take a photo and then he'll look at the back as though he's looking at the screen. There's no <laughs> screen on it. Yeah, right. He just looks at He knows that it's not... Oh, he just thinks, oh, the batteries <laughs> are flat or something and this doesn't work anymore. But he looks to... Ch- oh, it looks good on the screen, Dad. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. So that's, that's, that's their only... He's um, already learnt that that's how... Taking a photo is you look, you take it and then you look at it straight away. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's interesting. Having to explain to the five year old when you know, I showed him how the back opens, he's like, Why? <laughs> like, what, what goes in here? And I said, Well, you used to have to put film in and what's that? And then explain how, you know, you'd, you'd take that and you'd have to take that to someone and they'd make your photos for you. And so you would have to. Did, did, did a five year old get to the point of asking questions where it's like, Oh, you expose light to this thing and the amount of light that gets projected onto it then gets turned into a photo like did you get that far into it or was he not oh, obviously he's um i mean he he's seen the dark room at our place so he knows <laughs> <something about that. laughs> he doesn't know how to mix the acids himself <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, he andrew did. andrew has the only still functioning one hour photo lab <laughs> <laughs> it's um it, no it's it's one of those things you learn with a curious five-year-old maddie that um when you uh, press for time sometimes um, more detail means more questions, which means... And so you just work out where the limits of your knowledge fit and you pull up just short of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> there, was a great, there was a great ad years ago. I think it was a, a Telstra ad that was, you know, the kid uh, asking his dad about the rabbit-proof fence. Yeah. Uh, and the guy going, yeah, yeah it's, you know, Emperor Nazi Goreng. You know, it's the about the chi- making it all up. It's the Chinese Wall, the Great Wall China, of China. Great Wall of China, was Great it? Wall sorry. of China. Keep the rabbits out, mate. Yeah. That's just right, to yeah, keep sorry. the rabbits out. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I can relate to now that um, now that uh, my oldest is at school. I can start to relate to that because every uh, Friday is news day for him, and he has to go. Uh, like you got to give him something to take for news, otherwise he will just tell the teacher what's been going on. <laughs> and, and you uh, can't have that. You don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced that uh, school news is just a big intelligence gathering. Yeah. <laughs> so that when you go in and say, look, I don't think you're doing well enough teaching my kid, they can go, <laughs> and I've got heaps on you too, prick. So <laughs> everyone just keep our heads down, right? Well, Dad's in trouble because he didn't do the dishes again. and uh... <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wish it was that simple. <laughs> and it's an interesting insight into parenting because... Um, 
Like I remember, I'm the oldest of all the cousins yep. in in my family, so you know I'm kind of used to to smaller kids being around, and I always used to get frustrated when adults didn't explain things in detail to my cousins. I'd be like, no, just sit down and explain it to them properly, and it might take a few times, and then they'll get it. But now that I'm talking to people who are parents, they're just like, dude, you do not have time to answer all of those questions. Like, no, it is just yeah. not possible. It's just the, the consistent why is the why, why, why. Yeah. Oh, what's that do? Why do you do that? And you see, in the end, you start going, why, why don't I know this? Like, would, I would you say the two worst, worst words they learn is no and why? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they can say no, I won't do that. They and, will say and no. And why do you want me to do that? Oh, it's, just, it's all over, isn't it? It is. It's it's and I like I I'll throw up weird answers like you know what kids what, like you know we pull up somewhere and they'll say to me why are we here dad I say oh look mate philosophically it's hard to tell you know <laughs> some people say we're on a journey for enlightenment <laughs> and then he goes in and tells that for Newsday wins the news prize yeah exactly. <laughs> the, the Newsday is terrifying it's like having Julian Assange and Edward Snowden like permanently embedded in your house. Just, <laughs> WikiLeaking shit to people because they don't understand there's home information, there's out information. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They wouldn't they wouldn't understand the, the concept of censorship for their own good just yet. No, would they? no, you can't redact them. <laughs> <laughs> there's no it doesn't exist. They just they're an open book. They'll tell anyone anything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you get you do, you've got to be a little bit careful. Just give them a bottle of Grange. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You're compromised. Yeah. A friend of mine is a uh, she teaches primary school, and she was saying that it's really interesting at the end of the year because the school has a policy where they send out a letter to all the parents, and they say, "Look, if you want to get your kid's teacher a present for Christmas, just do it as a fifty dollar limit." And uh, bottom, oh what fifty dollar like bottom limit fifty dollar limit limit. But my friend was saying it's amazing how, on a case-by-case basis, her favourite students, their parents, bring her in something just ludicrously more expensive than that. Yeah. And, like, there is definitely... And so she's learnt over the years to uh, (laughs) favour the rich kids. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you get the good shit. (laughs) Well, look, it's a a once-a-year payoff, but if you've got ten decent ones, that's... Well, I, I remember, like, how, how, how bad is this, right? And th- you wouldn't get away with this these days. Well, maybe you would. My house, because Dad travelled for work a lot, he used to bring home a lot of duty-free booze. So we always had a lot of booze in the house. And I remember like being in probably year three or year four, right? And my mum, at Christmas time, sending, uh, sending me to school with a bottle of vodka for my teacher. I had a male teacher, and she goes, he'll like that. Yeah. A male really, teacher like the vodka. Mate, That's I, weird. He really, Did she he really make assumptions that. based on the fact no, that he's I think, a primary I think, school teacher I think or something? The premise was that the male teacher would like the vodka given that he could give it to the ladies. Hey. Well, I remember in, in my primary school, it was just everyone knew that parent teacher night lasted for about half an hour at the primary school and then it continued at the pub. Really? Yeah, they right. just. That's everyone went down, did 30 seconds of, I teach your child, well done. Let's go to the pub. And yeah, they, would, right. they would do that. And it was, in a way, I think, probably a more effective way of getting yeah, a teacher... Yeah, an honest interaction. Yeah, a, a genuine interaction. Or going back, getting dirt on each other. Because as <laughs> the night way. gets messier and I mean, whatever. Yeah. In a small town, there's no secrets anyway. Like, yeah. this isn't a primary school of 90 children. Yeah, okay. In a town Small with, community, yeah. with one pub. Everyone knew everything about everyone anyway, but it was probably the one time, you know, once a semester or whatever, where the teachers and the parents were all at the pub just talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. I remember I grew up in a small town too for um, for primary school. I remember going around collecting money for, um, I don't know what I mean, Legacy or something like that. Um, and we went into one of the uh, the pubs um, it, we, in our school uniform. Like during the school day, we'd been sent around. These are your, we each had an area we could go to the different businesses. And uh, walking into this one pub, and uh, as we're talking to the, the guy, yeah, yeah, I'll get you some money. He goes behind the bar to get his wallet or whatever. And uh, we look, we're standing there, and behind the bar, there was a picture of our year three teacher. We we're in year three at the time. Um, sculling a beer with no hands. <laughs> 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 nice, pretty That's awesome. awesome. Nice. Yeah, it turns out he didn't think that one through at all. <laughs> well, the thing was, I mean, in in 
the town that I grew up in, you were pretty much allowed to drink at the pub once you hit year five or year six anyway. <laughs> so it, 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 there was no secrets. You yeah. know, there was no point. Everyone literally did know everyone's business. So Yeah, well, that teacher actually lived two doors down from me with another of the male teachers. They were both, like, thinking back, I think they were probably 26, 27, Right. And both mad uh, footy footy heads, and one of them uh, had some time off school because he broke his leg playing football in their lounge room. Jumped up to take a mark and uh, sort of leaned on the uh, the dining room table. It collapsed under his weight, and he broke his leg. Had some time <laughs> off school, so uh, yeah, we had some good role models. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it good is, guys. My mum my was a my mum was a school teacher for fifty years. She re- retired a couple of years ago, and. Um, so she must have been the worst parent at parent-teacher interviews because, you know, it's teacher versus teacher. Yeah. And especially once yeah. I got to high school, I think year seven, I, I had a bit of, bit of a rough time, like, a, adjusting at high school and, and didn't have the best year in some subjects. And, um, and then year eight rolled around and um, I wasn't doing that well in science and my parents couldn't understand why. So my mum, you know, says to the teacher, well, you know, he's not doing very well. Do, do you know why? You know, can you explain to us what we can change or what we can do? And he... <laughs> science teacher goes yeah well look I think you didn't get the right foundation I blame it on the teacher that he had last year and to which mum said yeah um, you were his teacher last year <laughs> champ uh, what do you think about that and <laughs> and so yeah I stand by it I was drinking a lot last year <laughs> but frankly um, I'm sorry but Scott's a lost cause yeah. <laughs> yeah my old man was a teacher too and he because um, being in a small town I mean my brother um, when my brother started high school, my dad was still teaching at the high school. And uh, so my dad, even when I was in there, he'd been gone. When I got there, he, I think he'd been gone one year. So um, he, uh, I might have even missed him by less than that at the high school. And uh, all the teachers knew my dad. They came around for dinners. I'd seen them drunk at various things. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there was no such thing as parent-teacher uh, anything. Any, any uh, bump into down the street could turn into a parent-teacher interview for me. Yeah, right. Um, which was uh, so awkward. You, you were very well behaved. Nope. Nope. Uh, <laughs> I was all right. I, was, I, think, I think I was all right. I was, I was just one of those noisy kids. See, right. walking around uh, Newcastle University, my old man was the head of school for the psychology department. Oh, okay. And I had a lot of people come up to me who knew a lot of information about me that I definitely hadn't given to them. (laughs) (laughs) Have you read your dad's book? uh, (laughs) My Idiot Son, it's called. Yeah. Dr. Patient patient Confidentiality only goes one way, Matty. As it turns out. It was. It was was very funny. I've had a a couple of mates of mine give me some quotes about being in uh, lectures with my old man and things that he said where he just refers to his son and they're like, Dude, everyone in the room knows who your son is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it lovely when super smart people aren't that smart about some things? I am. Um, yeah, is that I've, your excuse, Andrew? Or? <laughs> Thank you. You think I'm super smart. <laughs> uh, that's, that was a backhanded compliment. Yeah. Hang on, boys. Uh, I'll, I'll take any compliment. Now, we are in uh, Sydney and coming up very soon, um, it's time for the ruthless uh, self-promotion. You're laughing at me, Scotty. You do it. (laughs) We're going to be at the Sydney Comedy Festival on the 14th and the 16th of May. Factory Theatre, Bunker Room at 9.30. Capacity 60. (laughs) Capacity 60, (laughs) as you will all recall, from maybe from our last podcast. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's coming up. It's not that far away now, is it? We're a month out. It's come up quickly. I think Adelaide did the same thing to me. I kept thinking, oh, Adelaide's so far away, Adelaide's so far away. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, shit, it's two weeks to Adelaide. Same thing's happening to me with Sydney Comedy Festival. Like, yeah. I think I saw an email today saying, oh, it's only a week away or something before the festival starts. Obviously, yeah. we're a bit later in the festival. The op- opening is not this weekend, but the weekend after or yeah, something Yeah, because we're like towards that. the end of the festival, right? Yeah, we are. I think yeah. we're the last week. So, yeah. uh, What they f- call the crescendo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the big stuff. <laughs> Waiting until last. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. 12 tickets sold. Is that right? 12. 12. 12. Count them 12. 12. I, I, I think my wife bought one of those. So uh, Yeah, I think a couple of people. Bam. Did. Yeah, I, it's interesting uh, with this time around because when we're, when we're at Adelaide, I thought, oh, I'm not really worried about how many pre-sales we're going to get. 
uh, this time around, I was like, oh, all my mates and stuff are going to buy tickets well in advance, failing to realise that my mates are as hopeless as I am and will not buy tickets until about three days out from the show yeah, anyway. I'm, I'm, That's the hard. I know there's a lot of people coming or at least saying that they're going to come. So, yeah, I'm not particularly worried about it. But yeah. No, I mean, at the end of the day, we've got two nights in a capacity 60. It's 120. Yeah. So now, now, that actually is probably a, um, a good point for any listeners. Is uh, We've all got very slack friends who are have given us their word they're going to come along but we know they're going to try and buy them up in the last three days so if you're listening to this anytime before the last three days and you're thinking i want to make sure i get along to that show maybe just buy four days out mate <laughs> if you could if you could do seven, seven guaranteed, days out. <laughs> yeah you're guaranteed because well, i'm telling same. you now my mates don't plan further than about six days in front you know, right. So yeah, if you if you're listening to this and you're thinking oh, I do want to get along, um, you know, yeah, any time before the, the last seven days, you should be fine. And even if it is in the last seven days, still give it a go because like, who knows? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it is going to be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to being part of the the just the Sydney Comedy Festival. I think it's going to be. Uh, just a, a different experience that I'm looking forward to. I haven't done it before. I mean, the vibe out at the Factory Theatre is always good too because I've been, you know, the last few years obviously for Sydney Comedy Festival and for the Fringe Festival. Yep. And it's, I guess it's kind of similar vibe to what we had at Gluttony, you know, down in Adelaide where there's a lot of shows going on. All in yeah, they just, it's not tents, mate. It's genuine buildings. It's genuine buildings yeah, this time, which is nice. You know? buildings. Yeah. Maybe even a little air conditioning. Oh, no, we did we did have air conditioning in the tent at Gluttony, but it, you just couldn't turn it on because it was so loud that yeah, you couldn't yeah. hear anything <laughs> when the air con was It was an on. old disused DC3 engine or something. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, it's, I believe what's called a swamp cooler. A swamp cooler, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, it was... But so this is, um, this is very exciting. I'm looking forward to the Sydney, Sydney Comedy Festival myself. And uh, I hope, but if anyone's out there, they want to get down. Is there anything else you boys want to cover off before we uh, call this one a wrap? Oh, I w- not really. wouldn't mind throwing out uh, a bit of a heads up to the good people of the Hunter Valley region. That and that's you- all we've got time for, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you happen to be in the Newcastle Hunter region, uh, Eddie Ift, who's playing the Sydney Comedy Festival. Very funny uh, man, from, all the way from uh, Los Angeles. Very, very good comedian. Fellow uh, podcaster. Fellow podcaster. He's going to be in town in Singleton, uh, in Port Stephens or Port Macquarie, some sort of port. One of the ports. One of the ports and Newcastle City next week. Uh, I'm and doing he's going to be there on purpose, I believe. To do comedy. And I'm going to be doing the support spots for him. So if you haven't got the chance... So you're doing three shows? Yeah, we're him. doing the whole wow. mini, little mini tour with it. That's but awesome. if you don't have the chance to get down to Sydney for the festival, that's a great opportunity to see the kind of top-shelf comedy that you might otherwise be able to run into in Sydney. Yeah. Would you, do you go so far as to say that's the most famous comedian you've supported? It's, there's nothing far about it. It's quite comfortable. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I, I'm I'm racking my brains to think of who else you might have supported. But yeah, that's that's a great gig for you, man. That's a good. Yeah, that is a, that's an excellent gig, Matty. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But I mean, to be honest, I'm just excited because like um, you know, there's a lot of people doing stand up and stuff in Newcastle. But it's really great when the the top top level stuff is willing to come. Like Arge Barker comes every couple of years or so. Ross Noble comes through town every now and then, but really, it's it's not as often as you would think because people do come out for it, you know. So yeah, well, that's a, that's the thing too. I think that uh, a lot of uh, maybe a lot of visiting acts don't realise is that there is they've got support out in those places, and people in um, in smaller places will travel and will come out because the, you know this is this is their opportunity to see people they've uh, they've um, heard or they're fans of. So yeah, well, I mean, Eddie's been on the the Melbourne International. Gala on telly and things like that. Like he's a he's a big time comic. He's, he's he was he was down in Adelaide with us. Like when we were drinking at the Rhino Room, he was just like standing at the end of the bar chatting to someone. I was like, <coughs> exactly. Awesome. You know, so it's a great chance for Newcastle, Singleton, one of the ports. I'm sorry, the two ports. I can't remember <laughs> which one it some, is. <laughs> there's going to be some pretty pissed off people in either Port <laughs> yeah. Macquarie or Port Stephens. One or the like, other. He promised. Yeah, but it's not that far a drive from one to the other. So. 
No, oh, well, that's, that's an awesome opportunity. Make sure you get out and see that. Yeah. Um, Scott, you got much coming up in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, like I've managed to get a few gigs, um, you know, coming up to Sydney Comedy Festival, which is nice, which means I can go into the whole thing warm and uh, bit of match a, fit. Bit of match fitness. Bit of match Absolutely. fitness. You need you know. to hit a few balls before you can get yeah, out on the big you know, stage. Just a little, little bit of a warm-up. And, um, and yeah, I've got actually, I don't know, maybe one or two new minutes. Now, I, um, I actually noticed, Scotty, I saw you perform uh, probably two, three weeks ago at the at Comedy on Edge. Yes. And there was there was a dusting of new material, quite a few new jokes. In yeah, the yeah, I've sort of gone through, obviously, like leading up to Adelaide, I, um, you know, I, di- I didn't want to be completely set in my ways, but I wanted to go down there feeling strong, you know, being pretty confident with what I had to deliver. And, um, yeah, coming back, I've, I've, I've realised, you know, I actually need to start writing again. So, yeah, it's it's been really fun, man. And I've actually got a couple of bits that um, seem to be going reasonably well. So. Yeah, dude, you rocked out a couple of new jokes the last time I saw you over yeah. at, uh, what was it, Nelson one night? Yeah, yeah, on a Monday Andy Mondays, night. Yep, yep. You, you pumped out a couple of new jokes that night as well. And yeah, they, they went well. all right. And the best thing was, I think I had comedy on the edge the next night, so I pulled them out again. And then I got called in to do um, a charity gig the night after that because someone had cancelled so I actually got a chance to air that new stuff three nights in a row and, oh, and nice. just adjust yeah. in between you know that's a little bit because uh, yeah they were solid jokes they were I was yeah I was uh, I was happy for you <laughs> but, uh, having not written a whole lot of new material myself lately Scotty actually sent me a couple of those uh, in the written form yes. over to me via Facebook not and funny I, and I read them and I went oh god they're Better than my new jokes. <laughs> really? <Yeah>. But yeah. Um, <laughs> really, absolutely. No, no shit, dude. I have been. Scotty, they've worked every time he's done them since. So. <laughs> <laughs> and also, too, it's gonna uh, be embarrassing the next time we do a gig together. Well, <laughs> I, I worked really hard on it's on right. my material to get to sort of get it to the point for us to do it at Adelaide Fringe and then doing the album, and mm. then since. That's been recorded. I've been frantically trying to put together a decent five minutes of new material. And I've got to tell you, I'm a shit comedian. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling a bit the same, actually. I'm sick of some of my old stuff. And I'm just, I've been living with a safety net for a while. And I'm just, uh, just trying to get down and write new material. And then, um, and then too, with, uh, with the gigs I've been doing lately, I've been doing you know, quite a few MCs and that sort of stuff. Where sometimes you've got the you got the flexibility to um to play around but you sort of need to give yourself that breathing space in the first bit you can't you can't afford to uh kill the night with a couple of bad jokes that are brand new and don't work so it, it, the stakes are a little bit higher for trying new stuff so i, I just really i probably need to get down to a few of the open mic rooms and just um yeah. eat it eat it for a I little have bit definitely sort of uh realized that i have to swallow my pride and start from the start again because I, I, I poured absolutely everything that I had into doing that album recording and, and I'm happy to have done that but there is nothing left in my kit bag after that so now that I'm going back to I have nothing I don't have an opening line and I don't have a strong closer right and so before when I was open micing, I, it would be fine. I'd know that I'd had a strong opening and if everything in the middle sucked, at least I'd get off stage with them laughing. But going back to just five minutes of spanking new is definitely a scary proposition, isn't it? Yeah, because like, I'm, I'm in the sort of in-between land where I, I guess I've been doing comedy as of March for about two years and you spend so much of the first year just doing five minutes, you know, and then... You get a little better and some people will give you a bit more time. You know, you might get seven or eight minutes. I, and I'm regularly doing 10, getting spots that are 10 minutes now and people are happy to just let me do 10. And so I guess I've turned over, I've probably turned over about 15 or 20 minutes in two years and, you know, sort of sidelined some stuff that was either topical or, you know, better jokes have come along or whatever. But it actually feels nice to be... And, and you have to, like, in between, when you're building up to five, you've got to get to a point where you get solid and then you've got to be solid like to impress the right people or make sure you get booked again Absolutely. and then I went through that phase again like I, I think just before Adelaide I was going through that phase again a little bit where I had to prove myself as a as a 10 minute the 10 minute guy, guy yeah you know and so I had to I couldn't bring out that much new stuff and I wasn't having a lot of time to go and do open mic so 
you kind of had to just slide a new bit in here or there and hope that it was couched in between, you know? Yeah, it, it definitely is a different proposition between just hammocking mm. and putting a new joke in and just throwing everything out and going, right, that's that's in the past now. Like, like for me, oh, yeah. I set myself a bit of a goal where I said, look, if, if I'm doing a, a headline or an MC spot, then I'm, I'm going to do stuff that I know works. But ultimately, I've got to keep turning over. So I'm, I'm going to go make myself MC and I'm, uh, sorry, open mic and just not tell a joke that has been recorded. And starting fresh like that again really is, other than the stagecraft and the confidence of experience, it's just starting again. Like it's yeah. absolute I've been shitting myself more so going out and doing Well I'll be um open I, mics. I, yeah. I, I I've I, I'm in the same sort of position where I'm trying to get new stuff together and that's the same thing. Like if I'm emceeing or doing a paid spot then I'll I'll stick with stuff I know works. But uh outside of that, like it, it's just, just being able to get along and write and it is that thing where like emceeing, like if it's going well I feel like I can do a new joke here and there. Um, as long as I know that I can get from if that dies to something that I can rescue pretty quickly yeah. and then get on. And which is, uh, I'll be at the mic in hand tomorrow night and that's exactly what I'll be trying to do tomorrow night. Because, uh, <laughs> but I, I, saw you, I saw you try a new joke for the first time um, a, f- a few weeks ago when you were emceeing. And, what, um, do you yeah, remember it? Yeah, I do. So I'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> it went really well. Oh, good. I keep forgetting my new jokes. I'll get it to you. But get it, it from you off mic. <laughs> it's also a big difference between making a new line work, which is being surrounded by lines that you know work, and going out and trying to get five minutes to work. Yeah. You know what I so mean? So I was doing a lot of that before Adelaide too, and I guess that was where my writing energy was going, was trying to make the bits and the premises that I already had better. Yeah. You know, and it would always be like, I'd talk to one of you guys or like one of the more senior comics I'd be with on the night. They'd come off and they'd go, hey, you know that bit that you do about that? Eh, well, you could... Eh, and you'd go, oh, yeah. And yeah. you could... You know, just... I was fiddling more so than writing new stuff. Yeah, that's what I remember saying to you, that, you know, that bit you do about... And I won't mention the bit, but, um, mm. you know, when I do it, when we're not on the same bill, I do it <laughs> like this and I find I get a really good response. Yeah. You know, if you want to give that a go, I so won't that's mind why you, you're that's ripping why off me, ripping off you. <laughs> so. See, I, I thought you were this uh, amazing sort of... I, I, I'd kind of been referring to you away from you as like a, a, my comedy coach. After Adelaide, because you you always have such oh, look, good, good advice. You go get in there, son, and just you know punch it from the start and do this and do that. And all the time, you you, you knew exactly what to do because you'd just been using yeah, all my is, material. A, you know, some but, coaches coach from experience. That's yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> well, mine's uh, a little more recent than the way most <laughs> most rugby league some, coaches go. Some coaches are great coaches, but they also fiddle with children. That's. <laughs> How did that come into it? Oh, well, I'm just saying that Barno may have been exploiting you. That's all I'm saying. Right, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, in a figurative sense. I'm yeah. A, no fucking You're the pedophile coach. Let, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> let's not make a new nickname. <laughs> <laughs> and let's not mention old ones. Yeah, no. So you've got uh, you got anything coming up you want to plug or are you just uh, happy to roll with it? Uh, a bath. A bath. <laughs> Look at him. He's never off. <laughs> Bam. Um... Uh, like I said, for anyone interested, I think I am at the... I'll be featured doing the feature spot down at the Comedy Lounge on April 28th. So um, that is always a fun night if you, you want to get down and watch that. You got Mike in hand? I got Mike in hand tomorrow night. This probably won't be up by that stage. So it would have been amazing it w- for yeah. anyone listening. So yeah, it did. <laughs> Barno did loads of new stuff, didn't touch yeah. any children. Yeah. Uh, so if you uh, if you know anyone who went along to uh, to Mike in Hand on seventeenth of April, I'm sure they will tell you, God, the guy was amazing. And if they didn't, um, they obviously have problems. Um, they're liars. They're pathological. And uh, yeah, it went really well. So uh, make sure you come along if you're in the vicinity uh, of Cafe Lounge on the twenty eighth of April. I, I do have one gig I'd like to plug that I just remembered. Uh, the twenty sixth. Of April at uh, Happy Endings, I'm supporting Mickey D, which I'm oh, nice. oh lovely, so I'm quite, quite psyched about. That's probably uh, getting up the, there with uh, the most famous comedian I've ever. Good supported. comedian, man. Oh man, Excellent he's amazing. We saw him down in Adelaide and seeing one of the late night shows, and he's oh, he's insane. I don't mean to be a one upper, but uh, the most famous comedian I think I've shared a stage with is uh, recently at the Comedy Store. I got to. Um, 
Got to uh, bring on a, a young man. Uh, just I don't know if you've heard of him. Just a, just a little um, you can't remember Hollywood name, movie you? star by the name of Kevin Hart. Yes. Yeah, we all know that. Whatever, Andrew. whatever. Wow. Yeah, you know, this is so not for our benefit. Oh, so you're you, just telling everybody. You've else. actually got Facebook, have you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty loud and proud. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the last 15 minutes of this is just for our benefit, really. Yeah. Just yeah, us yeah. talking about the awesome gigs that we've done lately. Yeah. Okay. This is this has got a little self indulgence. <laughs> so we, might, we might cut it there, um, gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming out. Thank you, Maddie. No worries, mate. Uh, thank you, Scotty. And oh, Scotty, thank you. Oh, thanks, mate. No worries. And boys, um, if anyone's out there, they want to get along, when, just one more time, when is our show again, Matty? Uh, Sydney Comedy Festival, 14th and 16th of May. Tickets available from the Sydney Comedy Festival website. Or Ticketek. Or Ticketek. And uh, time, time slot? 9.30. Capacity? I believe it is 60, although we do have comps. Excellent. Three blokes out. Good night. Good night.